Welcome to the Plant Rich Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? So this episode comes with a content warning. I'll be talking about death and grief, something I've talked about on here several times before, but um, we'll be circling back to that topic again today. As my aunt, my mom's oldest sister, um, just passed away this morning. And so it's a fresh topic for me in my life right now. I talked about her here a few weeks ago when I was talking about the legacy that we leave and the legacy that I can see her leaving behind in the world through all of us and the relationships that she's cultivated. In the hours after her death, we've been spending a lot of time making meaning. Why did she die alone when we had spent so many days in a bedside vigil next to her? Why did she die on her granddaughter's birthday? Why did someone who's so kind and loving and generous have to suffer so much? Grief generates questions with no answers. It initiates us into a great mystery that we can never fully understand. And that is such an uncomfortable place for us humans because we really like to understand. We really like to know why and how and to be in control. And so often in our grieving, making meaning out of what seems like meaningless situations or unjust situations can be a great comfort to us. Some argue that this is the source and purpose of religion, to give us a sense of control and purpose and belonging in the faces of the most exquisite suffering. The truth is that we don't know the answers to these questions. And we don't get to know. But we are empowered to decide how we will answer these questions for ourselves. And the way we answer those questions that are unanswerable defines our culture, our identity, and our belonging. The way we react to the depth of pain and the height of love that comes with a human life defines our culture, who we are as people. How do we grieve? How do we celebrate? How do we survive? How resilient are we? Some of the ways that our people 
have uncovered to make meaning out of the meaningless or to find comfort in injustice are really life-giving. And some of the ways we've come up with are really maladaptive. The problem emerges in my mind when we begin, when we begin to identify so fully with our strategies for coping that we lose touch with our common humanity. What we believe in in order to create a framework for surviving grief and making meaning from the unjust is just that. It's a framework. It's a set of skills and adaptations that our people have honed over time in order to survive in a world that guarantees death and guarantees suffering. But when we are so afraid and so unsure, we use those beliefs as an identity and then we compete with the beliefs of others to the point of death and war. Holding our beliefs loosely, knowing what they truly are, a desire for stability in an unstable world, the desire for comfort in a world that guarantees loss and suffering, would allow us the flexibility and the compassion to tolerate different coping skills, different beliefs different ways of making meaning in a world that is unjust. When we demand that others adapt to our coping skills, we are not coping. We are projecting. So instead of coping with the pain of the world, we are denying its right to exist and trying to eradicate an imagined perpetrator. It's empowering to ask ourselves, is my culture giving me support and comfort and strength and belonging? Or is it galvanizing me to hate people? To other them? Is it promising me some sort of mystical protection? from the guarantees of life, suffering, and death, and telling me that only bad people receive these guaranteed outcomes of life and death, and if this happens to someone, they must have had it coming, or there must have been some purpose for it that is um, the opposite of a reward. Cultures are made by participation and perpetuation of beliefs. And they change over time. Just as naturally as landscapes change, cultures change, traditions change, beliefs change. They can change passively by the maladaptive coping of trauma, or they can change actively and intentionally through healing. 
The way we grieve tells us a lot about our culture, its purposes, its resilience, its gifts to us, or the poison that it puts in our minds. If our culture and tradition has us steeped in fear that maybe we didn't do enough to get the reward we were promised, or maybe something terrible happened to us because we did something wrong, or maybe we should blame someone for what has happened to us, that is a poison in the mind and heart of our people. If, when we're grieving, we seek connection, togetherness, care, meaning that is life-giving, then our culture and our tradition is life-giving, supportive, and builds resilience. The truth of the matter is we don't get to know these answers. We only get to align ourselves with systems of support that help us survive what can feel unsurvivable. My culture is Pennsylvania Dutch, mostly. Methodist, Protestant, just a few generations removed from the Anabaptists. We have a lot of trust and faith that what happens is what's supposed to happen and that together we can survive anything. And that culture has built resilience into us. And I'm grateful for that. One of the ways I'm working to actively shift the culture of my family is to reconnect us to our faith in the natural world, as well as our faith in the afterlife. Our ancestors got really good at believing that the life after earthly life is the one we're living for. And so we can endure all kinds of suffering and sacrifice in order to earn our way into the life to come. And I have seen how that particular belief has been really damaging to my people. It's led them to endure suffering that is um, unnecessary and perpetuates patterns of maladaptive coping. So remembering that we can be alive and well and happy and seek pleasure here now on the earthly plane and in connection with the suffering of life and in connection with the death that is inevitable has been part of the medicine I bring to my family. Also remembering that we can rely on the plants to help us in our sickness, in our suffering, in our grief, in our quest to find meaning, that we don't have to do it alone as humans, but that we can look to the natural world for help and support. And that we can look to our dreams for messages from those who've left us. And that we can use plant medicine to help guide us on the journey. Last week, I discovered Star of Bethlehem growing here on the property for the first time ever. 
I knew it meant something, I didn't know what. So I researched Star of Bethlehem and found that it is one of the Bach flower essences for grief. And like has happened so many times before, it became clear to me that the land was offering medicine that my family needed. And so on Monday, my grandmother's birthday, I made a flower essence of the Star of Bethlehem for my family so that we can remember that not only does a far away Father God love us, but the earth herself under our feet loves us and wants us to be happy and to heal and to be comforted. Yesterday, I was going to see a friend of mine who's on hospice care. He just had a birthday on Friday and I wanted to bring him a gift but I wasn't sure what to bring someone who's on hospice. He doesn't need much. His life has gotten very small. And I heard St. John's wort oil. It just dropped into my consciousness that this was something I could offer him. It's soothing. It helps with pain. Rationally, it made sense as a good gift. So I just trusted my intuition and the rational and logistical and linear evidence to support my intuition. And I brought the St. John's word along for him. When I presented him with the gift, I discovered that he had recently sustained burns on his back from a heating pad to try to ease his discomfort. And the St. John's word oil would prove to be a really wonderful remedy for those burns and for the pain that caused him to use the heating pad in the first place. So I was immediately rewarded with uh, validation for my intuition that the St. John's Ward oil was in fact the right gift to bring for him. And when I arrived home from visiting with him, I walked out to the trash can in the front of our house and right in front of the trash can was growing a St. John's Ward plant, <laughs> a little baby that somehow survived the return of the trash cans. It had popped up right there in the gravel, in the path of the, the trash cans being rolled in and out of their resting place by the woodshed. And I just started laughing as I dug the little rootlets out of the gravel and got it transplanted to a safer spot. It was so clear to me that St. John's wort had come into my consciousness and guided me to where it wanted to go to be in service to my friend who was in pain and that because I listened so quickly I was rewarded with this great and obvious gift from St. John's Wort itself in the form of a physical plant this is the kind of meaning making that helps build resilience in my life. This is what I believe. I believe deeply that we are held by the natural world in our living and in our dying, in our celebrations and in our struggles, in our successes and contentment and revelry and in our misery and our despair that the natural world is leaning toward us 
loving us, supporting us, and holding us throughout the entire spectrum of experience. And that our ability to turn toward those gifts, see them and recognize them, is what makes life worth living and what makes our lives resilient. My family is really good at looking to Father God in the sky to reward them at the end of life for a life well lived. And I long for my family to get really good at seeing the loving Mother Earth under their feet that is constantly reaching toward them in comfort and in celebration. And I want the people in my family to know that the more we listen and open our hearts and receive the love at our feet, the more rewards we receive, the louder the messages become, the more held we know we are. I believe this is the legacy of our most ancient ancestors, that they knew this and they lived in this way. And I believe that our non-human kin know and live in this way fully. That that voice of instinct is truly messaging from the world itself, guiding us that that is how the monarch knows where to fly and how the geese know which stars to follow and how the whales know which currents to swim in. The same voice in them that guides their motions so perfectly is the same voice that guided me to bring St. John's Wort to my friend. There is an organizing field of consciousness that speaks loudly for those of us who have ears to hear. And for many generations now, humans have removed ourselves from that field willingly. And as part of my medicine and this family that I belong to, and for anyone who will listen to me while I talk about these things, to guide us back into a posture of belonging and trusting and opening ourselves to that kind of revelation and guidance and ultimately love. I feel loved whenever a synchronicity like that happens. I feel loved when I find Star of Bethlehem and then discover that it's medicine for grief. I feel loved as I am talking to you right now and I watch a swallowtail butterfly moving through the garden. I feel loved by the bird song and the warmth of the sun on my skin. And feeling loved and held and seen is a primary need of the human being. And it's a need that is often unmet by other humans because we are all so wounded. It makes me think of that African proverb about the child who craves the warmth of the village. And if he doesn't receive it from the people, he'll receive that warmth from burning the village to the ground. If we can see the way we are loved and held by the entirety of the way this world is woven together, 
we are more resilient and less likely to burn our villages to the ground and less likely to fall for traditions and cultures who are built around burning villages to the ground. Maybe not their own, but neighboring villages who they project their pain onto because they can't endure the mystery of why we are meant to suffer here. I have come to believe that the plants want a whole and healed and beautiful world. And so when our beliefs and our meaning making includes those who have ecologically, evolutionarily, and biologically shaped the world we live in and the way we live in that world, then we are in alignment with the whole aching, groaning, laboring arc of life on this planet. We have rejoined the symphony instead of alienating ourselves and deluding ourselves into thinking that we're the composer when we are only but one note in the orchestra that is many times discordant. So if you are struggling with grief or struggling with meaning making or feeling the burden of the unanswerable questions that surround us here. May the plants guide you with their magic and their medicine and may you be open to their messages. I don't think it's ever a question of what of us being forsaken or abandoned or forgotten. It's really always just our inability to see and hear that creates the illusion of our aloneness. Wherever you are, whatever is going on for you today, I hope in my heart that you can feel the truth of your belonging here and that you can choose a culture that makes that belonging central. And if you're part of a culture that doesn't see the depth of your interwovenness with life and the resilience in that, that you can feel empowered to change that culture, to do your part, to reach for another way. May it be so. If you would like to support the podcast, you can find a link at plantwitchpodcast.com or you can go directly to Patreon at patreon.com slash the rebel herbalist. We welcome your financial support and we also welcome your participation in this vibrant community of humans who are working together to rejoin the web of life. The audio that you hear for the intro and outro of this podcast is the song Vikings by Alan Gray.
thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me, and it's time to come back to life.